Welcome to Every Step Podcast. I'm Christina Weston. And I'm Judith Beck. Every Step is the podcast where career and life meet. With a new guest every episode, we explore the gutsy issues affecting everyone in the workplace. Today, we welcome Karen Stain, an executive coach with more than 30 years in the professional services industry, of which 23 years were as a partner of Deloitte. Karen is author of Be Your Own Leadership Coach, and that's what our conversation is about today. Welcome, Karen. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Karen, how do you coach yourself and and how do you stop that negative inner voice from sabotaging your efforts to move forward? Uh, It's a really good question because I think we we do tend to get caught up in the voices that we hear, the stories that we tell ourselves. And so it it takes a conscious effort. It takes a deliberate effort to actually want to try and build out your self-awareness so that you can become more attuned with what your impact is. What is it that's helping me and what is it that's hindering me? So in order to coach yourself, you actually need to make time. You actually need to take a pause and to make space so that you can stop and reflect and, and almost stand outside of yourself looking back to try and understand what are those things that have been helping me? What are the things that are hindering me? Which parts of me are showing up in this moment? And, and what is that doing for me? And what do I want to dial up or dial down? So it takes a mindful intention to actually be reflective, to, to stop and to practice um, accessing self-coaching strategies, which hopefully you'll, you'll grab some from my book. Uh, to enable you to be your best self. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, it's really interesting you talk about reflection. We had a, another podcast recently with um, Dr. Paul and Dr. Susie, yeah. and reflection was a big theme in that in that conversation. So it seems that people are now becoming more aware of the importance of actually sitting back and observing and tuning into how you're feeling, tuning into what's going on, trying to uh, eliminate the noise because we can get caught up in our own story and we can get caught up in the noise or things that happen to us in life can be very triggering and if we're not aware that we've been triggered, we can just go down down a spiral very, very quickly. And it's, it's that awareness, so it's stopping to notice. When we're hearing the stories, it's noticing what are those stories telling us. And often those stories, I mean, we're, we're wired to lean into the drama and to the negative, and so it's actually catching that, noticing it, and asking yourself, what choice do I want to make in response to it? And that's where the self-coaching comes. If you feel it's helpful, sometimes a little bit of anxiety can be helpful to propel us, to push us forward. A little bit of arousal can help us, energize us, but it only goes to a certain point. After that certain point, it, it becomes detrimental. So it's actually noticing if that arousal, if that stress, if that noise is actually taking us beyond what's helpful and making those choices to try and say, well, I don't want to end up spiralling. What do I need to do to actually catch that in the moment and to make some choices to try and support myself to be better and and to enable myself to have a more positive outcome? Absolutely. Well, you know, one of the things that I think of is I think of um, when you're trying to self-coach yourself is one, the repetition and being reflective is, is correct. But I always think of things that I had heard when I was young and keep repeating them. Yes. So, so I get it in my head. And I remember my grandmother saying, you know, get up because no one's going to do it for you. And you know, it's kind of like, so Good during advice. my working career, I'd be kind of like, when the alarm goes off, get up because I have to go to work. No one's going to do it for me. No one's going to do this for me. And those um, 
positive affirmations in your head all the time. You do have to do it continually until it sinks in. And you, and that's how you, um, you know, one of the ways that you can really coach yourself is just um, keep repeating until you, until it sinks in. <laughs> well, it's, it's building those new cognitive habits um, and also emotional behavioral. So, you know, if we, if we reference the get up, what I would hope is what happens is you get up, you put on your virtual backpack and that virtual backpack is filled with self-coaching strategies. And then as your day continues in the moment, as you're faced with a challenge or you're trying to work towards a goal, you can literally put your hand back in and pull out that strategy that might be helpful in that moment. And if it's not, you'll you'll shuffle them around and access another one. And so by arming yourself with insights as to, well, what are some self-coaching strategies that I might adopt in the absence of a coach? I'm going to be much more able to walk around with that backpack and, and sort myself out to the point where I can become habitual in the way that I'm approaching things and, and learning how to support myself without necessarily relying on external help at all moments. Yeah, so what, are the, what are the tools in the backpack? I mean, if I'm starting from scratch, I've never seen a coach, I've never seen a mentor, and I'm picking up your words of wisdom for the first time, what is it that I can do to help myself? The, the first thing is, is exactly that, it's focus on self. And so if, if you can arm yourself to be your best self, you'll be much better able to help other people as your best self. And so I think if we if we look at the concept of leaders, and leaders don't have to be positional in terms of title, everybody has leadership qualities. You can lead in the way that you direct a conversation or how you contribute towards something. You don't necessarily have to be badged as a leader. So if we first recognise that if we're trying to be our best self and have a positive leadership impact, something that's enduring in our absence, so it's motivating and inspiring those when we've left the room, how do I first do that for myself? And so if I first focus on myself and have an understanding of what do I stand for? What are the values that I'd like to honour in the way that I'd like to carry myself? And so for me throughout my career, I've had a very strong value of family and I've tried very hard to navigate and use that as my true north to anticipate, well, if, if I'm trying to do what I'm doing from a work perspective, how am I integrating that with my family? How am I making space? And I didn't always get it right and I don't always get it right, but at least I, I'm able to recalibrate with that and come back to that and self-assess against it to help me understand, is that the way I want to live my life? So if I first turn into my values, look at my belief systems and understand what can support me and then lean into those things which actually energise me. So what do I understand of my strengths? What are the things that I feel that bring me the most positive emotion, that I feel engaged and motivated and inspired? And then what am I doing? So what's my purpose? What am I focusing on to understand what matters? Why do I feel of significance, of worth? How do I add value and feel I am of value? And if I can start with that, then I can start to unpack the other strategies that will follow around my goals, my motivation, how I use my time and my energy, because I'll actually have a path that I'm navigating to around myself possible to do that on your own I mean I've, I've done a lot of work um, on myself and I've done a lot of courses and programs and had a yes. lot of coaches and spent a lot of time introspecting I, I, I'm going to be a bit challenging I, yeah, I, think sure. I think it's really hard for a lot of people yeah. unless they're um, really motivated or they're they're guided by it because the things you're talking about are so fundamental um, in terms of values and purpose. And I've got a, yes. a very good girlfriend who's a very wise lady. And she talks about um, the seeds of her living 
And she uses that as a measure for um, is she in alignment with what's going on in her life? A bit like your family value. One yeah. of, if that was one of her seeds, she would look carefully at what she was doing and whether the work she was doing or the interactions she was having with those people were aligned. Because yeah. often when you're out of alignment, that's when you get upset and triggered and um, things things mess with you. But I just wonder how you do that without somebody actually reflecting back and saying, Christina, actually, you know, have you done the work on the on your foundational building blocks of who you are as a human? And I just I just wonder how people do that without the assistance, how they can do it themselves. I think it's a very valid point, hence why I wrote the book. <laughs> uh, because in the book, I'm actually supporting people by giving them strategies to adopt self-coaching practices. And I, I do agree in the absence of um, some reference to resource material or reference to other people in your world, it can be very challenging to say, where do I start from? You yeah. know, I, I hear all these concepts, but I don't really understand how I'm going to arm myself. And that's why I've tried through my writing, and it's evidence-based writing through the field of positive psychology, is to try and draw on, on different theories, uh, different ac academic uh, papers and journals and, and other interests to actually pull together for people strategies, self-coaching, reflective exercises, so they can step bit by bit through it. Part of the self-coaching is actually understanding what I reference is who is your board of, of directors? Who's your personal board of directors? I love that. I love <laughs> that. I've done a bit of work myself in um, heart-led decision-making. Yes. I talk about who is your inner board of directors because right. I've done a lot of bit, of bit of work in the voice dialogue space which I've kind of drawn on um, in, in this area. And I think it's so true. I think often we listen to the rebel or the negative person as opposed to the wise person. Um, yeah. Sometimes we also need to tune into that rebel and that fun person because if we were just, you know, listening to the, the conservative voice in us, um, that wouldn't be fun either. But I love that whole board of advice. Who do you want on your board of advice? Who's exactly. internally giving you information and guidance? Well, it's internal and external mm. because the internal mm. is about your self-determination. It's about how do I actually um, buoy myself with my the, the right level of autonomy or control in what I'm choosing to do or not choosing to do? How do I build my competencies? And some of those will be self-coaching competencies. How do I also build out my relatedness, the relationships that I have? So it helps me build my confidence. If I don't have the answers or if I don't know how to identify my purpose or identify my strengths, who do I have within my relationships that I can turn to in terms of those interpersonal relationships that can help build my confidence around those issues? So it could be that I build out relationships with some trusted friends or colleagues. Maybe I do have a, a coach in a, in a um I guess, a semi-informal basis. Maybe it is more formal. Maybe I have some mentors that I turn to to seek their advice. But all of these are strategies that are going to assist me with finding my way and challenging me at times to ensure that I, you know, if they're noticing things, if I'm making a decision and I'm talking it through with them and they're saying, well, hold on a sec, didn't you say that what matters to you is this? Why are you going down that path? Mm -hmm. That can actually help me come back to it and say, you're right, I need to stop and reflect on that. I need to make more sense of it to see that it actually does support me to be my best self and isn't just an interesting distraction that's caught my attention, those nice shiny things that maybe you've been on offer that maybe it isn't timely for me to do now. Maybe I should put that to the side for the moment and come back to what my focus should be. Yeah, absolutely. I think the thing is, is that when somebody is going into a corporate role uh, as a young person, they they have to look at, okay, 
how am I going to grow in this industry or in my position? And they may not have had good role models or mentors um, prior to that. So they really need to go in there and um, uh, have a multifaceted approach. In other words, they're not going to have the money to hire a coach. Most people at that age probably aren't going to have that kind of money unless the company does it for them. So then they have got to take the initiative to help themselves and look at who are the people around me that are positive that I want to emulate, that I want to learn from, and perhaps they can help guide me. Then how am I going to, because it's their responsibility. No one can do it for them, like my grandmother says. It's up to you. and who it's my responsibility so what am i going to do it's probably a little bit harder for them these days if they're working remote and they're not having those people around them as much so therefore luckily we do have resources you know and if it was me i would be trying to have that board of directors my you know my advocates my mentors my you know in um uh, coaches that are kind of like, you know, people I know that aren't charging me <laughs> because I'm young and I can't afford yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and then access the resources, you know, the the great books that are out there, like your book and, and you have that multifaceted approach because it does take a lot to 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 a lot of repetition for it to sink in. So yeah, you, practice. you see it, you read it, yes. you Google it all those different things, all that information is coming at you. And as a young person going in, you really got to take advantage of that because there there are great resources out there. I mean, I remember when I was first starting, there was nothing. I literally, literally um, on Collins Street, they had a business bookstore that we used to go down and get our books there. Right? <laughs> and, and, but we couldn't access anything. So we had to rely on the people around us to help us and certainly couldn't have afforded, afforded a coach. And my mm-hmm. guess is people can't afford a coach at a young age. Now that's usually something that the companies might give you later on as you grow up the yeah. graduate well, programs. That I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily just young people. I think it's all people because not everybody is in a situation where they have discretionary spend to um, engage with a third party coach. Yes. I'm a coach myself. So this is not about saying don't engage with a coach. I think there's a difference between actually self-supporting and then knowing when to use those funds yeah. to seek yeah. advice from a coach. But I think it's very much about throughout your career, how do you lead yourself to be of your best self at whatever stage you are at your career? And how do you make sure you don't have overwhelm from too many resources? And hence why I've tried to do a very structured approach to first focusing on self. How do I lead as my best self? How do I set myself up for success? And then how do I build that reflective muscle so that I'm actually more able to see more of myself? One easy way is actually making time, but but putting in that habit so that we actually pause weekly to stop and and actually self-reflect and say, let me do a little bit of a a self-assessment of what is happening for me. What are the behaviors that I'm exhibiting? How are they supporting me or otherwise? What are my emo- what's my emotional state? Uh, what's my cognitive state? And what do I want to do more of? So maybe I'll dial that up. Maybe it's been really, really helpful and, and it's helping me support me. Maybe it's not. Maybe there's some other choices I can make around that. And by actually self-reflecting, I can then choose additional self-coaching practices to experiment with, to see if Perhaps if I use my time in a different way, that's going to support me so I don't feel overwhelmed. Perhaps if I practice saying no to things and find my language, which enables me to say no 
in a way where I can continue relationships with people yeah, and not be seen as rude or otherwise. Yeah. How, how do I actually build myself up with those skills? Now, those skills won't come from someone saying, just go and say no. They come from yourself. So you really do need to build yourself first to, as I, as I say, to enable yourself, hold that backpack close. And then once you've done that, you can start focusing on what's the impact I'm having on others. How do I how do I show up? How do I make space for other people? How do I treat people and lead with kindness in the way that I engage with them? And what's the impact of me in how I'm allowing them to feel safe and and um, you know be able to bring their best self into our collaborative space? Yeah, absolutely. I think what happens though when um, they do their self reflection because yeah. I know it's kind of like you know how everybody thinks they sing good in the shower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they get out and they sing out loud and they go, no, not so good. <laughs> yeah. Or they or they do a presentation or they're preparing for a presentation and they've they've got this funny little line they think is funny, but when they're driving their car and they say it out loud while they're practicing, they think yeah. that's not funny at all. I'm not going to put that in my presentation. It sounded funnier in my head than it did when I said it out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how does someone who's self-coaching then get the um the feedback yep you hit on the right word gonna take them to that next because they're there we know that there are people at all, all levels that yeah. think everything they do is wonderful and yeah. so when they repeat it or reflect they're going to still think it's wonderful but a fresh eye a, pro, a fresh <laughs> eye would have said that isn't so wonderful <laughs> and, and you're 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 singing in the shower scene made me think of the extra <laughs> You know, when they're sitting there and they come and they arrive for the audition and then suddenly they're told, well, hold on a sec, you can't sing. And that's a feedback loop. And that's what we need in our lives. We need feedback loops because we all carry blind spots. Mm -hmm. And until such time as we actually seek feedback and be prepared to listen to it, so not be dismissive of it, but actually mine that feedback. I talk about mining the feedback so you get out of the darkness and find the gold. If you're given feedback and someone says, oh, yeah, no, that's not so good, and you walk away thinking, oh, they said it's not so good, I don't know much more other than it's not so good, but I don't know why. I don't know what I should do differently to enable me to make it better. So how do I, I literally think you're mining through the darkness of that feedback until you reach that gold nugget, that insight that's going to help you to go, aha, what they're suggesting is for me to sing better, I need to tune my voice or I need to practice this. So for me to present with humour, I need to test my humour or know my audience before I actually fall flat when I think something's personally funny, but perhaps it's not. So actually finding feedback loops in your life is very important. A lot of people don't feel comfortable seeking feedback. You know, their defensive Mm -hmm. mechanisms might come up or they might not know that they need to seek feedback. So opening yourself up by finding trusted colleagues who or trusted family members. I mean, if you you go to a family member and ask them for feedback, they're probably very likely to give you some. It's whether or not you're a recipient and you're happy to listen to it and open it up and unpack it. So ask the questions, what do you think is working well for me? What do you think I should focus on? What do you think would make a bigger impact or a better impact or um, a more helpful impact in the work that I'm doing? And what guidance do you have for me? So if you were standing in my shoes, what would you focus on to enable that impact? Sometimes people who give you feedback aren't very good at giving feedback. So if you can also help them with that feedback loop by giving them some questions then they're going to be able to give you more than those those very banal statements of keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, you're great. You're great. You're making a great impact, but it doesn't tell you too much. That's yeah. a really that's a really good point. There are two things that I used to do with the consultants that I had working for me as far as um, their own self 
um, reflection. And um, one would be when they were speaking to clients where they'd go, well, I'm not sure if I'm pitching that right or if it's sounding right. or, And, and so I'd, I'd say, get the recorder out. And the next time you're doing that pitch on the phone, record it and listen to it and critique yourself. Because that I felt was more powerful than if I sat in on listen, they're scared and I go shut the door. I don't want I'm not going to be there. You listen to yourself speaking to your client and see if you answer that question. And then the other one was on time management where they would go, I haven't got any time. You know, I can't get things done. The time's on. And I go, okay, for one week, record from 8.30 till 5.30, whatever the time is that you come into work, everything that you do, even the, even the time that you go to the coffee or you go to lunch, time management study. And, and I don't want to see it. It's for your eyes only. And then you go in and you will see very quickly where your time is being wasted and reflect on what you can do to 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 clean that up and they always find it's supposed to be a two two week exercise but within a week they would find where the problem was but it was their realization a discovery a boss coming and saying oh you're not doing this I mean I knew where they were going wrong but I wasn't going to tell them they had to find out where it was themselves and And that's the beauty of coaching isn't it it's that's exploration and discovery rather than as you said having a mentor tell you what to do and you're walking away thinking hell no there's no way I would do that Um, but actually being able to discover for yourself and explore well what what could that look like or what is the issue or or how do I solve it for myself because I'll I'll be much more attached to it I'll be much more motivated to try and further it and continue with it and and you feel better about it. You feel like you've achieved something when you've actually solved the problem yourself. Absolutely. I like your point, but the one thing that I, I think we need to be cautious of, sometimes in that in that exploration, I still might own those blind spots because I still might not see what you're hoping I see. And that's why I think it's also important to be introducing a feedback loop from an external person as well and trying to unpack what I can't see. Think of it when you when um Young people are taught how to drive. The driving instructor now teaches them how to do a blind spot check. It's actually turning their head to look at the spot which they can't otherwise see and see the impact of what would happen if they continue in their way. Are they going to hit someone? Are they going to knock something down? If I can't see it and someone hasn't brought it to my attention, even if I'm looking forward or looking at what I'm doing, I still might not see it until somebody helps point that out for me. Yeah, feedback is so so important. And Judith and I, um, with some guests and between us, Privately, we've been having a number of conversations around feedback and there seem to be some society-based challenges at the moment around feedback in an organisational context. We're observing and we're hearing from others that people are afraid to give honest feedback because of the repercussions. And then in a social context, we're hearing a lot of friends are just telling other friends what they want to hear about the work they're doing or what how they're behaving because they don't want to lose the friends so they they're not actually honest with people so there seems to be this um push pull a little bit with feedback but judith and i are on board absolutely we we believe feedback is critical for for growth absolutely observing any of these issues i am i am um i i have had um similar conversations with people about you know they're reluctant to give it or they're worried about the consequences Mm. of giving feedback that might not be positive feedback I think all positive or rather all feedback is a gift Mm. I think it's it's what you do and how you deliver it and what's your intention of giving that feedback so I like to think of Mm. feedback as you maybe even it's a beautiful blue Tiffany's box and you know big ribbon on top 
when you receive or when you give the gift, you have the positive intention of helping or supporting people or giving them something of worth. When you receive it, if you can think about the fact that the person has that intention and you start to open it, when you take op- open the ribbon, you take open the box, there'll probably be a lot of wrapping inside and you won't stop there. And that's often where people stop. Mm. If you try and discover more about the feedback, take the wrapping out, unpack that feedback to really see what's the gem inside of it. That's when you'll learn from it. So if we do think of feedback over others' eyes as a gift, if I'm gifting you feedback to try and help you grow and improve, if I don't give you that feedback, if I let that gift sit on the shelf, nobody's going to get the benefit of, of that gift. I can't expect you to be any different in the way that you're engaging with people or working. I can't expect that you'll read my mind and understand what's frustrating me or maybe others. Um, and I'll be getting irritated, it'll impact the relationship in time. So if I really want you to be of your best, as a leader, if I really want you to grow and to enable you and empower you, I will talk to you with respect, with honesty and transparency. Respect is critical. With compassion, I will give you examples of the impact of perhaps your behaviour and show you examples of the impact of the change that could occur if we talked about what could be done differently. But if I just land you with that feedback and say, oh, your behaviour is no good, you've got to fix that, and I leave you in the dark, that's very uncomfortable for somebody to walk away with and say, I'm obviously not doing well, I don't feel valued, I don't feel like I matter, and you really haven't helped me understand what I could do to have a better impact. So if we come back to that concept of a gift, and I think about I love giving gifts, mm. I love them. <laughs> I love receiving them and I love giving them. If I can give someone a gift and I can do some with compassion and empathy, I will feel good that I've helped them, supported them, and I can see that they can make use of that gift to be better in what they're trying to do. Yeah, so so such a beautiful reframe and explanation of that. I think that's that's so critical in terms of that whole intention intention piece. But we don't read for intention. We we read for what's there, unfortunately, and our, our our woundedness responds to whatever we perceive is going on, not what's really going on. Well, that that's really important from a self coaching point of view because. It's, it's that perception that we want to test. Too often, we, you started our conversation with the voices that we hear. Too often, we are allowing those voices to carry assumptions that we don't test, and mm. that becomes our truth. But if we actually hear those voices, if we hear our assumptions, if we he- notice the perceptions that, that we're holding and we test them, we, we gain extra data points through conversation, through holding a curious mindset, through inquiry, through actually wanting to better ourselves, through saying, look, if, if that's not helping me, what are the questions I could ask or what are the, the conversations I could have to test the assumptions? A very simple example. If I've written an email uh, to one of my colleagues asking for their support and I haven't heard back from them, I could assume that they're not supporting me. I could assume that they think my idea is rotten, that they don't believe in me, they don't want to advocate for me, and I could start building up the stories of why we don't have a good working relationship, um, why I should maybe start thinking about doing something else. In fact, maybe I should start looking to work with somebody else. Now, all of that is just because I haven't yet had a reply. What I might discover when I do receive the reply a few days later, that's similar to me, that person's had laryngitis and they haven't been well, they've been off work, they haven't been on email, they do actually love my idea, they do want to support me, but there's been a span of time that they've needed to be able to respond. I've jumped in and written a whole narrative as to what actually I thought was happening without testing it. But now that I have these extra data points, the story is actually turned on its head. 
So I think if we actually stop ourselves through self-coaching and actually just slow down and Mm -hmm. test those assumptions through having conversations, asking questions, seeking support, but holding a curious mindset as to let me understand the context and purpose as to why I haven't heard from them or why they don't think it's a good idea or why they think I should engage differently. That can help me have a better and deeper understanding and I can become better from building open my perspectives, pushing open my cognitive boundaries to allow more insight and information and knowledge in so I can push open what I can see. They talk about lifting myself off the dance floor to the balcony above. I can lift myself up, look down and see more and have a bigger and broader perspective so I can make better choices about my behaviours, about my emotions and about my cognitions. Mm. And excuse the voice, it is is, um, being worn somewhat. (laughs) Good. Well, the, the um, let's just talk about the the you know the um, the coaching aspect of how someone who's never ever done it who then all of a sudden decides they're going to do it coming in whether they're doing it for the first time later on in their career or not how do they get their minds mindset in the right direction mm-hmm. how do they sort of turn that in turn you know turn the faucet on yes. um, uh, to the positive flow when they've been going down with the negative flow for so long. Yes, a good, good point because sometimes when we're in a negative mindset, we can't see solutions to problems. Everything seems very dim and dark and it's very hard to lift ourselves up to have hope to see something that's positively minded. So the first thing is actually having to take a step and take a pause to actually stop and say, what is it that I want? If I'm looking to have my best self and create a situation where I can live my life as my better self, not necessarily my best self, but even my better self, what do I need to do in support of me? And you spoke earlier about to be in support of you takes effort from you. So nothing comes for nothing. Nothing is is effortless. It takes, you know, a range of effort. Sometimes it's it's much more concerted. Sometimes it's just, you know, a little bit of of, of a nod to yourself that, yeah, I got this and I can answer that or I can step into that. But it takes the effort to stop and to pause and to reflect. And the reflection requires you to actually have some level of self-assessment. Where am I at currently and where would I like to be? And you can you could use a system of scaling. If you scaled yourself out of 10, where would I see myself today in terms of how I feel I am, in terms of am I showing up as my my best or better self? Maybe I scale myself at a five. Where would I like to be? Well, perhaps I'd like to sit at a seven or an eight. So how am I going to incrementally step myself through that? Step by step, building habits that I can, after a while, be sitting on a six and looking forward to moving to a seven. And then I get to a seven and I'm feeling pretty good. Well, maybe I want to top it off and and, and learn how to sit myself in an eight. So if I make space weekly to actually stop, find an hour of time to stop and have an hour for me, and reflect and put myself first, then I'm going to start to work out where am I at and where do I need to get to. And the way that I try and encourage people to do this is is I talk about joining the 1% club. And what I mean by that is is we all on average would sleep about eight hours a day or a night, hopefully a night. That leaves us about 112 waking hours each week. If we took one hour of those 112 waking hours, so it's actually more than one or less than 1%, it's about 0.89%, but I've rounded it up. If we take 1% of our waking hours and we book a time in our diary and we make it not negotiable time, time for me, time to reflect 
on me? What's working well this week? What have I done? What are the interactions I've had? What are the conversations I've had? How have I shown up? What's inspired me and motivated me? What's drawn me down? What can I turn my mind to to do more of? What should I do less of? If I use that time to ask myself questions, to notice the patterns of of my behaviours and my emotions and my thinking, to notice those assumptions that I'm carrying that maybe I need to test, I'm going to arm myself with building out my self-reflection and self-coaching. And that's when I can pull that backpack open and start pulling out those strategies that are going to arm me, you know, coming back to that time management or maybe managing my energy or building up my level of self-awareness through tapping into seeking feedback loops. So it's really about making space. It's making it not negotiable time, not, you know, saying people, oh, yeah, I had an hour in the diary. It's not important. I can give you that. It's actually saying if I don't invest in me, how can I bring my best self to invest in you? And people will love you for it because what will happen is in time, your well-being will improve. You'll experience more positive emotions. You'll be more engaged. You'll understand what matters to you and you'll be calibrating yourself, your actions against what does matter and how can I come closer to that? And that will ripple to other people around you. So your team's well-being and that of your organisations and communities and my hope the world step-by-step will make the world a better place will come from all of us actually taking ownership of looking after ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that that I like um, to, to think about when you step into the, the corporate word is, uh, world is think of yourself as a corporate athlete and exactly. what do you need to do to train before to get into the game? And so you, you're not an athlete yet. Yes. You, you've got to put the training in. You've got to do it. People don't even know who you are. They don't even know you have athletic abilities. Um, so you've got to put your training in to get it to a stage where all of a sudden you're going to be competitive. And then once you're competitive, you'll start getting noticed and probably people will put more resources into you and provide coaching and other things. So think of yourself as a corporate athlete. This is what I want to do. I need to train. I need to put time and effort into it um, to be uh, elite, to get into the elite side of, um, uh, you know, where I want to be, if that's where you want to be. Uh, We're incredibly aligned because one of the chapters I write is about managing your energy and I draw on the model, an article written by Lauren Schwab called um, The Corporate Athlete and there's four states that we actually talk through and I I give examples of of how do you, in managing your energy, how do you manage your physical energy, your emotional energy, your cognitive energy and also your spiritual energy and I've I've set out some examples, some self-coaching strategies so you can actually tap into each of those and think about what can I do to better myself so I can empower myself to build rituals so I'm not depleted at the end of the week and thinking, oh, I need the weekend just to recharge and, and pull myself together so I can do it all over again. What are the rituals that I can put in place, perhaps from a physical point of view, to you know make sure that I'm, I'm well hydrated and, and I'm drinking throughout the day or to take a break so my meetings aren't back to back and I have space to breathe, space to step away from my desk and stretch, to nourish myself, to step into the sunlight. You know, what are the things that I need to do and build as rituals so that I can support myself? I, I love that you've mentioned that, Judith. We're very aligned. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's something that I've always believed in about that's what you have to, that's how you um, need to think when you go into any um, industry as a yes. new person going in that this is this is a long this is a long haul like yes. I need to train I need to get match ready and um, there are things that I need to do to you know to be in the game 
if that's what I want to do. And um, yeah, and you guys, you know what? We're running out of time. I can't believe it. So Christina, because we've been talking, <laughs> I just want to get what's your what's your thoughts on that before we wrap up? Yeah, what I'm hearing in this conversation, and it's coming from all of us, is that we ultimately need to take personal responsibility for the life that we have and the outcomes that we have and the relationships that we have. And I'm very aligned with what Karen was talking about in terms of you really need to have an understanding of what your, your core values are, what your principles are, what your purpose is, what your boundaries are. Um, and this reflection piece is really, really important, but you've got to put time in and you've got to take responsibility for it. And then you'll have the beautiful outcomes. But if you make it somebody else's responsibility or blame somebody else, it's not going to happen. Absolutely. I, I'm a strong believer. It's your life to live. Make it your best life. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, listen, thank you so much for, for being here today. We really enjoyed speaking to you. And I hope everybody goes out and gets your book, Be Your Own Leadership Coach. And um, we, I think we could probably talk about this subject for quite some time, <laughs> but hopefully the audience got some tips out of it and and that, and that leads them to their journey of um, being their own leadership coach as well as um, having other people in their corner as well. So thanks everyone for, for today and um, thanks, Karen. No, thank you for having me. It's been thanks, great Karen. with you. For more information about every step and our guests, head to everysteppodcast.com. To be notified of new podcasts, please subscribe via your favorite listening platform. And of course, follow us on social media and direct message us to share your ideas about guests or topics.